Welcome in to the First Draft Podcast. I am your interim host, Daniel Dopp, here with Todd McShay. And Todd, it's just going to be you and I on the podcast today. I mean, at least Sproul, is, he's got some work that he's actually doing. He's keeping everything afloat, as, as you were saying. But Exactly. Kuiper, man, I, one of these days we're going to have to get him hooked up to some of this technology. But I'm here, and all I want to do is react to his mock draft just like everybody else. So I'm happy to do it. Oh, this is perfect. Perfect for you to react while he's not here, obviously, like you Talk said. Talk behind Sproul, his back the whole uh, time. Been, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, <laughs> honestly, there isn't. Uh, Sproul keeping our NFL team afloat. He's got far more important things this week than coming back on the podcast. So hopefully next week he'll be here with us yep. uh, once everything gets settled. Uh, but, Todd, you and I are going to go through Mel's mock draft. We're going to talk about where t- uh, Mel finally got it right, where he's still wrong and what he needs to change. And then we're going to take a couple of questions from our incredible fans on Twitter. Uh, but let's just jump right into this. Obviously, you've seen Mel's mock, mock draft 3.0, finally, after three chances. Where is it in this mock draft that you see Mel finally getting it right with some of these guys? Well, not much has changed at the top of the draft. I mean, you, you still have Burrow going one to the Bengals. You still have Chase Young going two to Washington. Yeah. Jeff Okuda makes a lot of sense as the cornerback. Yes, it would be the first time since Terry Fair, which is oh, – 98, I think, 1998, yep. somewhere in that range. Um, and then Isaiah Simmons would be would be the first linebacker in, since Carl Banks. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about replacing legends and also being, being organizations that are basically willing to go out of the box in terms of what they've done organizationally for so many years. But ultimately what everyone wants to know about is, is Tua still going five, yeah. and does Miami have to move up to get Tua Tungavailoa? Um, and maybe that's where things shake up. I mean, I, I don't see a scenario in which Joe Burrow does not go number one, okay? okay? I know Miami wants to move up and go get Joe Burrow. I also am well aware, just like any rational human being, that's going to be a tough, tough mm-hmm. task. And it's very unlikely, but, uh, but it's still in play. It's still in play, and the people I talk to in the league, people are starting to catch on to what we were talking about coming out of the combine, and and that's that Miami really wants this guy. So you never know. The Bengals could try to move out, but I I think ultimately it will be Joe Burrow number one to the Bengals, and then after that it becomes a little bit of a free-for-all. You know, is is Miami going to move up? Do they still love Tua? Are they happy and and content with, um, with his medical and then where's the next quarterback go? He's good. Of course, Kuyper's going to have Justin Herbert going six and, and drop uh, Jordan Love all the way down to what? I'm, I'm scrolling through my That's phone a lot right of scrolling. Now. Here we go. For a lot of scrolling. Ah, 23 oh gosh, to the man. Patriots. The Utah State quarterback. So, I mean, that's that's our bet. That's what we're, uh, we're betting $5,000 on for the V Foundation, but – um, ultimately, it's going to be interesting to see how the, these quarterbacks come off the board. But it, it's going to be Burrow, and then it's going to be Tua, and then after that, Herbert and Love and, and whatever combination. But but all four are going to come Absolutely. off the board in the first round. Quick question on the Lions at three, now moving on from Darius Slade. Do you think that puts more pressure on them to take Okuda over anyone else that would be there? Or if the Dolphins jumped up and took a quarterback at two, do you think Chase Young would still be the obvious choice for them? Chase Young would be the obvious choice, yes. I mean, it's it, it. Chase Young has to be two, unless it's a quarterback that a team moves up for. 
Yeah. And then, and basically, the first player that's not a quarterback to come off the board is going to be Chase Young. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's that special of a player. So it, it's Young. And then after that, like, I think Okuda's right there, but I think Derek Brown's in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I think Isaiah Simmons, the Clemson linebacker, is in the same neighborhood. I really do. The more, the more tape I've studied, and this is the best part of the process. It really is. It, you watch on TV, you go to games, you talk to coaches, you do all this different stuff, right? And you're studying tape as the season goes on, but then you, you're able to go sit down in an office with the Exos, the remote clicker, and you're just <laughs> bang, 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 like game after game after game. And sometimes perception is a little different than reality. And while I love Okuda and I love Chase Young <laughs> – but I also love Isaiah Simmons and what his potential could be. And I think if used properly, he could be just as special as those other guys. And I think Derek Brown is so underrated, it's a joke. I really do. I, I think Derek Brown is, I mean, he's great versus the run. He's going to be upfield. He's going to provide some of that, like, Gerald McCoy type penetration and, and just constantly causing problems in the middle of the, in the, middle of the offensive line and, and just – giving issues to to what you're trying to do from a pass protection standpoint. So to me, if you between Brown and Simmons and Okuda and Young, yes, Young is the best of that group, but there's not as big a separation as some people maybe want to present it to be at this point. So the idea that obviously those two quarterbacks will probably be the first two quarterbacks off the board, uh, you know, from that standpoint to a, and and Joe Burrow, we'll see where Justin Herbert falls in. But those four players should be the next four non-quarterbacks off the board from that standpoint. At least the next four non-offensive yeah. players, uh, yeah. I mean, I, we, we could see, I guess, an offensive lineman, like Tristan Wirfs could sneak in there, but I, I, I would be surprised. I got, the one thing I agree with, on, with Mel and what he's doing here, and you can't project trades according to his rules, his own rules. Uh, Chase, Chase Chase Young goes to that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If if no one's moving up, Okuda that makes sense going three. Isaiah Simmons like all these teams need defensive players. Then Miami needs a quarterback, and if they're happy with the the medical, then Tua makes sense. The only thing I would say is the Chargers. Uh, yeah, I get it. I I get it with the position. But are they really going to take Justin Herbert? And does he provide an upgrade well, over Tyrod Taylor? And I know Tyrod Taylor is a, a, an average at best starter and kind of a fringe starter. But I just – I don't know. I, I, Herbert's got a lot – there's a lot to sure. develop there. I, I, offensive line would make sense. But even going defense, if there's a, one of these great four players still available, you know, one of the chips that, either. Sure. Or one of the out. things that still has to fall is the idea that, like, let's say that you, we have the the Dolphins taking Tua at five and, and the Chargers, at, you know, with Herbert at six. Understanding, like yep. you said, no trades are allowed. But we still have a Jameis Winston and Cam Newton chip that still has to fall regarding free agency and how is that going to affect everything here. And I could easily see the Chargers, if they go after one of those guys, just like you said, are you upgrading the offensive line? Are you looking at, uh, you know, Derek Brown, who was, Mel has mocked going to the Panthers a pick later. Uh, that would change this whole process immensely once we figure out where one of those two players goes as well. Yeah, look, at, I mean, 
did anyone a couple of weeks ago expect Tom Brady to be going to Tampa? You know, I mean, <laughs> we can all say that we did, but like, did you really please, think it was going to happen? Please. Right. Not a single person, even my wife who doesn't know anything really about football outside of the Pittsburgh Steelers is like, well, that's random, right? <laughs> yeah, it's random. Yeah. It's random. Yes. Doesn't make a ton of sense because everyone thought I was going to be in LA or it was going to be, you know, somewhere in a market that made sense for them. But he just, you know, he wants to go prove what he can do and, and wants to try to prove that he can do it without Bill. And Bill wants to prove that he can do it without Tom. And we're going to, we're going to find out. It'll be interesting to see. But ultimately, yeah, there's still some dominoes that are going to fall here. And I, I'm just, I'm looking through this. Like, there are so many teams that are in flux at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. What are the Patriots going to do? And Mel's got Jordan Love going there at 23. What, Jared Stidham's not the answer. They they may they may want him to be the answer, but Brian Hoyer's got a better shot probably of, of winning that job ultimately, at, at least for a year. Yeah. And I I don't know. I, I just think it's, it's fascinating. And I looked at the draft picks the other day. It was like two days ago we got the email. Of course – New England's got 12 draft picks, I think the second most in the league. And so they're capable, as always, of moving up and going to get a quarterback. So I, we'll see. And I've, I've heard rumors about about Jameis going mm-hmm. to New England, I, and it wouldn't surprise me, but they're only going to do it if it's for value. Yeah. Everything they do is for value. That's how they've built this whole thing, and they will not stray from that. And so they're going to wait. They're going to see what how the market plays out, and if they can get a, a guy like Jameis for for much less than than the value price, then yeah, they'll they'll pull the trigger. And you know what? They'll cut yeah. they'll cut him if he doesn't work out. I mean, that's how they do it. I want to ask you about the 49ers sitting at thirteen now after that trade with the Colts uh, with the Forrest Buckner. Yep. I'm curious when you see the Niners jumping up that high, what is it that you're looking at for them? Do they need to address the defensive line now that Buckner is gone? Are you looking uh, for a skill position player to add to that offense? Someone outside of, of, you know, their really talented tight end and George Kittle to be able to catch the ball. I think they believe in, in Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think they also believe that they have to put players around them. Sure. Um, Mel's got Jerry Judy here in this third mock draft. You, do you okay. like that? Is that yeah? That, so that would make sense. That would make sense if he was still there. He's as I've told you before. He's the best route runner I've ever evaluated. Yep. He's the guy who can step in the league and like that. He's ready to go. He's eighty catches, over a thousand yards, 10, 12 touchdowns. That kind of player. Even though he's not that big, he's not that fast. He's he's just he's just excellent at what he does. But now you're. I mean. Javon Kinlaw, if he drops down there, that would kind of make sense. Sure. They, but I, I really think you don't make that trade and want to just go bring in another That was my question. Line, Is Kinlaw right? an upgrade over Buckner? Because if not, then why are you making that deal? That's my point. Yeah. I think that they want to bring in an offensive weapon. I think they want to build around their quarterback. I think they believe in Jimmy. And even though, you know, he's had some moments and the playoff run was not the best, but – I think that they believe that they can build around him and, and make make that offensive side as good as the defensive side has been. And and I think, you know, with Lynch, he wants the defense to be the staple, but he also 
he knew when he made that that deal with New England to bring Jimmy in that that, that was going to be the, the side of the ball that had to improve, and, and I think that that's what they're yeah. trying to do right now. And the idea of Debo Samuel, Jerry Judy, George Kittle, like that offense could be exciting with a bunch of young, talented people. I know, I, and I love Debo. Man. I love Debo. If they can, if, you know, if he can stay right, he's 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 such an underrated player. Yeah, it's absolutely. Fun to watch. So outside of that, I mean, looking down the rest of this, you know, we're one of the things that we want to do here. We've been off for two weeks. We want to get to a bunch of questions that you guys have. But but Todd, anything else that when you look okay. at this, other than Jordan Love at twenty three, which we've talked about to the Patriots, if you get there, if you're the New England Patriots GM. And you're at 23, and Jordan Love is sitting there for you. Are you looking at him? Are you going elsewhere? Do you think it's worth that position? If you have Brian Hoyer for the interim, do you think that you wait another year? What does GM Todd McShay do? I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking Jordan yeah. Love. If, if he's sitting at 23, I'm taking him. And I, and I realize that I'm going to need a year or so to bridge the gap, but they've always built it with the long term mm-hmm. in mind and trying to find values. And to me, 23 is a value for Jordan Love. I, I really think, especially if you're talking about Justin Herbert going six, get that dog barking. See, even, even cannot, your dog is upset about the fact that Jordan Love would be available at 23. Dead, cannot stand it. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> What's your dog's name? <laughs> His name is Dexter. Dexter. All right. So Tegan, yeah. Tegan, my dog, is in the other room and behaving so far, <laughs> but it, there's no guarantees. But, yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, and I've got two kids that are banging on pots in the background. Want to know when we can go outside and do something? Uh, but ultimately, my point is, I, I think it's all about value. And if, if you're sitting there 23 and you can get a quarterback like Jordan Love with with the potential he has, and yes, he had the 17 interceptions and and he made mistakes, but if you really study his tape and especially go back and study the 2018 tape, that's when you realize. That there's a lot there to develop. So, you know, I I think that they would do it. It doesn't mean they will, but I, I think that they would strongly consider that. But like, I, I like Jared Siddham, but that just can't be the answer. Yeah. It just can't be. It seems, you know, Brian Hoyer has always kind of been that guy that's a little bit of a stopgap, and you know he's not – He's not going to be terrible for your franchise, and he can keep things together, but he's not a long-term option. So if they don't see Jared Stidham as that guy, Jordan Love would make a lot of sense there at 23 for them. Um, yeah, and let and let Hoyer bridge the gap. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If, you know, I mean, it, I, I've always liked Hoyer I, I, for what he is. I, I thought he was a third-round draft pick, and on there, that, was my first, that was my first draft experience. Really? Actually. The first time I was ever on set. This is a true story. I was sitting next to Herm Edwards and Trey Wingo um, on, I forget the logistics of it, but, you know, the main crew was the main Mm -hmm. crew. I was 27, 28 years old, and they they were like, all right, we're going to have an ESPN2 set, and they would come to us occasionally – uh, but we, you know, we weren't the main the main show. It was Kuiper and whoever it was. I think you know Gruden maybe at the time, um, Boomer, all those guys. It was it was the the big the big crew that used to have the draft for a long time. And and I loved Hoyer and Mel would he gave me a lot of junk about Hoyer. And we're inside, uh, we're in New York. Yep. And the crazies are there now on day three, 
And I was like, he's a third-round pick. He should be a third-round pick. He had so many drops. His receivers failed him, this, that, the other thing. And in the sixth or seventh round, they started chanting, Brian Hoyer, (laughs) (laughs) for like 40 minutes. Charlie Casserly was there with the NFL Network, and he was like, come over here, bud. And I walked over. He's like, don't worry about them. You're always going to have this. I know this is like your first year doing this. Don't worry about it. I'm, like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm yeah. telling you, he's pretty good. And I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but it's just funny. Like, that was my first when I, like, really went oh out on a yep. ledge for a player. So, I've yeah, I've always had a thing. It could have been a lot guy. worse I than like Brian Hoyer because he's been a serviceable player in the NFL for yeah, a long time. Yeah. They've they've been a lot bigger. Yeah, than I'm not saying that I. I mean, it it wasn't Brady, but sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. Uh, that was a long day. Yeah, that was a long. I day. I can imagine. Well, let's get to. We we sent out a, a tweet asking for a bunch of questions from you guys. Uh, have not been here, like I said, for two weeks. So we're just going to get into as many of these as we can. Okay. Todd, this first one comes from Scott Porter. Where do you see Lynn Bowden from t- Kentucky going? Oh, I like Lynn. I like Lynn. He does a little bit of everything. He's kind of today's NFL guy. Plays, he can play a little quarterback, play in the slot, play in the backfield. Um, I I would say I'd be – I will be surprised if we get to day three and he's still on the board. I think he's going to be somewhere late second, early third. And I've ta- I talked to a scout – so last week, like 10 days ago, I think, who was saying, have you watched enough on him? I'm like, yeah, I like him. He's like, watch more. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I mean, he's he's one of those guys that, like, the more you study of him, the more you appreciate what he can do. Yeah. And in today's league and how everyone's just kind of an offensive weapon, not not pigeonholed to being one thing. I think that's what, what really makes him attractive. Okay. Next question comes from Eric Avila. Hey, Mel, big fan. Ugh, this is awkward. Yeah. Where do you see I don't know. Raquan Davis? <laughs> I mean, I don't <laughs> know. Where's the question? Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, I'll answer it. Raquan Davis of Alabama. Where do you see him going in the draft? I would, I would say second, third round range. He's, I mean, we've talked about it before. He's the guy you want off the bus. He's so big and strong and physical. Um, Ten years ago, he probably would have been a late first, early second. Now he's probably a late second, third. He would—he was an interesting interview. I sat down with him after sitting down with Nick Saban in their offices, and Nick was—Nick's interesting because he, for as difficult as he can be to deal with sometimes, he really wants to represent his players appropriately not not overselling he wants to really give you the honest truth so that everyone has the information and i i've come to respect that a lot about him i really have um and he said some of the people in the room the defensive line room were not great influences mm-hmm. and raekwon had some maturing to do and um he wasn't ready to handle some guys, you know, like when you're the young kid and you're immature and you're around some other bigger kids that you think are the stars, sometimes you might not act the way you want to act. Raekwon, that's what was going on. And then Raekwon came in the room and he said the same exact thing. And he like, he's like, the coaches could tell me, my teammates could tell me, but when my mom 
and my dad and my family members told me, you're not, the, you're not who you should be, mm. and we know you can be better than this. I, it was one of like, you, there's five or six moments every year when you sit in these conference rooms with these players and coaches that stand out, and that was one of them. And uh, it was it was really cool to see because he was such a great player as a freshman. He was a dud as a sophomore, and this past year he picked it back up. And I think a lot of it had to do with just like coming to grips with the fact that he needed to step up and mature, yeah. and he did. Yeah, yeah, that was a long answer. I know. No, but, that's all right. But uh, but it was it was one of the cool experiences of the of the. Someone's got to be able to ramble on, and Mel's not here, so it's okay that you take up that mantle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Howie Ratner wants to know this question. Kyler Murray was the easy pick last year at number one, so how does he differ that much from Jalen Hurts, where Hurts isn't even getting any looks as a fringe starter? Accuracy. That's what it comes down to, just consistent accuracy. Uh, I mean – Accuracy and, and Ky- Kyler is <sighs> – Jalen is athletic and very mobile, and he's a gamer, and he's a baller, and he's competitive, and I love all of that about him. Kyler was, is just more explosive. It, it's easy. Like, if you sit there and watch the tapes, it's easy. It's hard to explain, but it's easy to sure. see, if that makes sense. It, like, the twitch the quickness, the ability to evade, to explode out of the pocket. But then when the throw is like the ball placement is so much more consistent with Kyler than it has been with, with Jalen. And that's, that's going to be his big challenge. He's athletic enough to succeed. It's can he be sure. more consistently accurate? Sure. Okay. But Jalen, he's still going to get dry. Like some, I've heard some people say second, I don't, I don't see – I see more third, fourth, but quarterback's still higher. So he we'll, seems we'll to see. fit the bill of that, you know, developmental quarterback with upside that teams would take a shot at, you know, in the third, fourth, maybe fifth if, if he fell that far. But Yeah, but he's played a ton of ball. Yeah, that's true. He's played a ton of ball. And Kyler – Kyler didn't. Um, you know, Baker came, came in and, and then Kyler – and so Kyler, with Kyler, it was like he's going to keep getting better because he's just now scratching the surface because he just get, didn't get to play a lot. With Jalen, like he's played in two different systems with three, I think, three different coordinators in four years or whatever the, the numbers are. Um, I think we know what Jalen is is the best yeah. way I can put it. And I'm not saying that that's a negative. I, I, I think – you draft a guy who you think is going to be a good backup that maybe could turn into a starter in the third, fourth round range. And I, that's to me what Jalen is. And by the way, he's going to be like the fifth or sixth or seventh quarterback taken. And there are 65, 70 of them in the world that succeed in a given year. You know, like it's, it's not a knock. Like what he's done has been amazing. It's just like the reality of the whole situation is I, I think his inconsistency with accuracy is going to be what defines him. It's either like if he can, if he can somehow improve it, then he's got a real shot because he's mobile, he's competitive, he's tough, he's strong, he's physical, he's all these things. But if he can't improve that, I don't believe any quarterback can succeed in the long term sure. without accuracy. 
because I haven't seen it. I live like think of like from Montana to Breeze to Brady to the uh, the Mannings. Like if you don't have accuracy, the rest of yeah. it doesn't really yep. really matter. Yep. You know. That's got to be tough. You saying that, you know, that's I'm not. That's not a knock on the guy. I can only imagine when you're talking about comparing kids. I played the position. I sucked right. at it. You know what I mean? Like you're not saying these kids aren't good, but it's the idea of you're talking about can they be the like best I've, of the best? I've watched. I've watched him win the national championship. I've watched him win a thousand yeah. games, and like, there's so many great things I can say about this person and player. It's it's just like. You know, all right. Now we got to separate the good from the elite, yeah. from the yep. really elite. You know, like the top end. And I don't think he's there. And it doesn't mean he can't get there, but I don't think he's there yet. All right. Next question from Andrew Miller. With the Bills out of the first round, thanks to the Stefan Diggs trade, where do you see them going now with their first pick? I mean, <laughs> that's a that's going to be tough. Yeah. I mean, the second round, they they always – they love building their front seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could add – I think they could add to running back depth just in case, not necessarily there. Do you think that Singletary has uh, the body to be able to be a full-time workhorse running back? I like him. I really do like him. But I would bring in another back is my yeah. point. I really do like him. Um and I, I was bummed out when he ran a poor 40 time last year at the combine, and I knew he was going to drop. But he's a, he's a really good player. But I would bring in another running back. And I'm trying to think, tight end? Like, add another – I would just add another weapon. Eventually, you're going to have to live and die with your quarterback. Sure. And Josh Allen is – he's a runner, and he's got a big arm. But you gotta find ways to get to like make him more efficient without asking him to do something that he can't do. Yeah. What he can't do yet is make timing throws, anticipate throws, and consistently put the ball right where he, he needs to put it. Okay? okay. So what we need to do then as an offense is we need to we need to run the ball. We need to mix in quarterback runs. We need to run screens, and then we need to hit on some deep balls. And we if we can hit on two out of ten, we got a chance to win. That, I mean that's the reality. Yeah. Two out of ten, if you hit on the deep ball two out of ten times with the way he can throw it, like his deep ball finishes the play, like it's over. That's six. Whereas that's not the case with most quarterbacks in the league. So to me, it's figuring out how do I get enough weapons around where I can run reverses, run some QB option, run the ball, and get and get one or two guys down the field that can go make plays. Okay. This question's uh, – I don't know. It's a big question. I'm going to give it to you, and we'll see where it lands. But Mike Chenault wants to know, which prospects will turn into bargains if they fall due to no pro day workouts? And obviously we're in a situation right now where teams are trying to figure this out too. The entire NFL is trying to figure out what is it that they're going to do as far as, as seeing more kids play and whatnot, uh, you know, and bringing people in for, 
for meetings before the draft. That's still all up in the air and fluid. But given the way that it is right now, right. Todd, is there anybody that just comes to mind with you where, like, you know, this guy could fall because he doesn't get a pro day workout. Maybe he struggled at the combine. Maybe he didn't participate at the combine, was waiting for that pro day. Huh. Um, it's actually it's an interesting question. I would – It's tough. Like AJ no, – yeah, I'm just thinking. AJ Epinesa from, from Iowa is one of those guys that, like, I just think he's a good football player, even though his, his workout numbers aren't going to be great. Um, I've got a whole list of guys that did not work out. I wish I had it in front of me. Um, I'll tell you, and he worked out, I believe. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. Mm-hmm. was is one of the best players I've watched on tape all season long. And I, I just hadn't studied him. This dude can play in the slot. He can play corner. He can play safety. He's a ball hawk, and he's a badass, just like his dad. Like, yeah. I, 5'9", 203, I don't care. He's going to rock you. I, I put out a – I think it was an Instagram or Twitter tweet. Um, of two, It was back-to-back plays that he had. It was the first drive of the Penn State game, Right. This guy, the, the running back for Penn State breaks through the line. He's coming down. They, there's a receiver that's in perfect position, 15 yards down the field. And Antoine takes him, throws him aside, and then, like, hog ties the, the running back. Right in the middle, like, open field. Usually these guys, they come hot down down the field, down the alley. They, they miss or they have bad angles. He's just always in great position. Then the second play – was a, a play action throw and he had he kind of got turned around a little bit and he has a little bit of tightness in his hips but once he got turned around his his head was up tracking the ball vertically and it, it sounds so simple but like think about if you're chasing someone down the street and the, and something is going to come land in this person's hands in front of you the last thing you want to do is turn around and actually, like, try to look for that thing mm-hmm. because you're gonna, you're either gonna run into the person that you're chasing, or you're, you're just gonna lose track of what's going on. He did it so smoothly; it was like <laughs> pulled it in, pick, and balls turned over. That's the kind of player he is. And it was like three plays into that tape where I was like, oh man, I, I just didn't know. I didn't know, and I don't care. What, I honestly, I don't care what he is. Five nine, great. Two oh three, great. Four five, five four six. I don't care. That dude can play. So he's one of the guys that that really stands out. Just studying the tape. Okay. Okay. Robert Norvell wants to know what pass rusher can the Seahawks get at twenty seven? Obviously, still up in the air Ooh. with the Jadavian Clowney thing, with what it is that he's asking for. Uh, we'll see when we get news on that. But assuming they don't bring him back, right. I, I would assume if they brought him back, they wouldn't take a pass rusher at 27. Never want to rule anything out. Um, but I think they could maybe have other needs. I'm curious, though, who you like there. I mean, I, I mentioned A.J. Epinesa from, from Iowa before. Yep. Not an elite player, but a really good, solid, consistent player. Um, 
I would say best case. I mean, I don't think Caleb on Chasen is going to fall that far. I really don't. Although he could because he he's speed based. Um. Yeah, I mean, those would be the two. The problem is with this class that the the defensive ends, like Itor Grossmatos, is kind of the next guy up, if you will. Mm-hmm. But after that, there's. I'm just looking. Mel's got that. Got him. Oh, going to Seattle at 27. So yeah, I mean, after that, there's really a a drop off, in my opinion, in terms of the defensive ends. There's there's linebackers. Um, there's inter- more interior guys than normal. There's secondary guys, but but the the edge players. I think there's a pretty significant drop off after you get obviously Chase Young, and then. Um, and then after that, uh, Epinesa and, and uh, Gross Matos. So. Okay. All right, we're going to do a couple more here before we close this out. Nathan M33 wants to know, any chance that Judy or Lamb are not the first wide receiver off the board? And I think Henry Ruggs would like a conversation about why he wasn't even included in this tweet. <laughs> Some people think Ruggs could be. Um, I don't see it on tape. The speed I see, the toughness I see, sitting with him and talking to him, I love I love the way he approaches the game. He loves the game. He needs it, and that's so important in the evaluation process. I, I think it's one of the most underrated things. If you really talk to coaches and, and general managers, they they the two things that I get most when talking to evaluators that I appreciate and respect the most or I need someone who will trust me, and then I also need someone who has, like absolutely has to have this game. So I, when I when I sat with Ruggs, it felt like he he would do anything in the world for Nick Saban, and he absolutely had to have this game. And it's. I think in any business, if you really apply it to anything you do in life, like you. Anyone who's going to work with you or work for you, you want them to be able to trust you. Like you trust your coaching, right? Yep. If I tell you to do something, trust that I'm doing it because I want to bring out the best in you. And then also, I, I, right or wrong, I want to know that like, you need to do this. Yeah. Like you have to wake up tomorrow earlier than the next guy because you don't have another option. Um. Anyway. Yeah, rugs to me is going to be in consideration, but I, I think it'll eventually be Judy as the first receiver, and I think he's earned it, and I think he's been the most consistent. And I like, I just, I trust that he's going to be open all of the time. Um, and I think Rugs is going to be right there, and then CD Lamb. The difference, like, okay, so Rugs is going to run a four-two-seven, and he's the badass in the room. Judy is going to run the best routes, and he's going to get open more than any of these other guys. And CD is going to not be open as much as these guys, but he's going to make contested catches, and he's going to be the most physical and difficult to deal with after the catch. So that's that's exactly what they are. I've watched. I I don't want to. I, I'm not 
lying like some other people. Like I haven't watched every single play of every snap of these guys, mm-hmm. but um, but I've watched enough to know Lamb's the best at CD. Um, Rugs is the most explosive. And Judy is the most consistent and, and will get open at, like, the top of his stem working back to you. And, and if the play breaks down, he is so good to his quarterback. He, he's a dream. Like, him as a quarterback. All right, and last question here, Todd. Jacob Winkler wants to know, skins need to go tight end in round three, right? Who's the best fit there? I don't know if you can say they specifically need to go in round three, but you look at, at who the Redskins now have at tight end. And it's Jeremy Sprinkle, Logan Thomas, and Richard Rogers. Do you think that that tight end position needs to be upgraded, one? And two, do you see someone that you think fits this team and this scheme? Uh, and where do you think that could fall? It's not a great class. Um, nope. You know, Cole, Cole Komet from Notre Dame would probably be the first one off the board in the second round. Albert O from Missouri, and I won't even ok- – Okwabunum. Okobunum. I'm going to let you handle yep. it. From Missouri, yeah. will, will probably be the next one off the board, especially after he ran in the four fives. I mean, he had a ridiculous workout at the combine. But then Jared Jared Pinkney is like from Vanderbilt. He he's His tape is so much better than his workout and his tape from 20. He's like the Jordan Love of, of the tight ends. He If you go back to 2018, he's a late first, early second. And you go back this past year, but everyone on that team declined. Like they're, They had four offensive skill position players that all declined this past year. It might have something to do with coaching. I'm just saying. Harrison Bryant from FAU is a good player. Hunter Bryant from uh, Washington is a good player. Adam Troutman is kind of a late riser coming out of Dayton. And I between Pinckney – Bryant and Bryant and Troutman, and then maybe Colby Parkinson, Mitchell Wilcox. I would say those are like the four or five guys in that third, early fourth round range that that would make a lot of sense. We are going to be back next week, guys. The goal is to hopefully bring you two podcasts next week. We will see how that works. Obviously, uh, thank you for being understanding while we try to figure out all these remote solutions while everybody's working from home. Uh, self-isolating as best they can and trying to figure out a way to be able to help flatten the curve while we do all of this. But we love being able to do this, bring this content to you guys. Hopefully we will be back next week with two podcasts. I appreciate all the questions too. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Thank you guys for weighing in. And uh, that's going to do it for us. For Todd, my name is Daniel. Hopefully you never hear my voice again in this podcast. And we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> you nailed it, brother. Have a good one. <laughs> see you, bud. <laughs>